0: I will be doing a free health webinar. I've been doing these for a few months now and they've been highly successful. And for me, the biggest thing is just commitment. So I've committed to doing one a month. My host, Emily, she helps me to put them together. She hosts the webinars with me and we've had people show up and ask amazing questions related to each topic. If you wanna be part of these webinars, you just need to go in the show notes. There's actually a link. So go to the show notes of this podcast, click on that link. You'll just go to a page and put your email in, and then you will be signed up to be on the monthly webinar uh, list, which means every month you'll get an email with the topic, and then you will be able to either attend the webinar or not. So you only need to sign up once um, and then you can kind of pick and choose which webinars you would like to be a part of. This is great because it's a great time for you to ask me questions live. Uh, and then also we repurpose the podcast and we add them to our YouTube channel or we reuse the webinar and we turn them into a podcast and we put them on our YouTube channel. So go check those out in the show notes. There's also a link on our website at to sign up for the free monthly health webinar, this month we're going to be talking about keeping a healthy blood sugar, and that's going to be October twenty fifth. So if you want to be part of that, uh, go and sign up. So today is World Menopause Day. That's right, ladies. If you're like me and you've been through menopause, whether it's natural, medical, uh, then we have a day, I guess, where we celebrate menopause. I thought today's podcast topic, besides just menopause, I, I thought I would share my story that I've been going through really the last 10 years and specifically the last two to three years. Um, I wanted to share this because on the podcast we talk a ton about men's health and you guys are really our market. So I don't want you guys to shut this podcast off because this is actually directed at you as well. Um, and, but we do talk about men's health a lot. We've talked about testosterone a ton on the podcast. And obviously that's one um, big area of interest of mine in my medical practice. So I see a lot of men. I do a lot of hormone replacement. I do a lot, a lot of lifestyle management for hormones for men. But what started happening a couple years ago when I started seeing so many men is I myself started um, really suffering from perimenopause. And I also had a lot of my male patients saying, can you see my wife? Because she's having, whether she's in reproductive age or not, you know, she's having a lot of hormonal issues and I'd like you to see her. So I started getting more and more women. And learning more and more about the process of perimenopause menopause, postmenopause, and not just physically, not just like hormone related, but, you know, what are the changes that happen emotionally? What are the changes that happen mentally? Even the experiences that I've had in the last couple of years, um, and just seeing patients, uh, seeing them where they're at, uh, being with them in these somewhat difficult moments with hormonal change for for women, especially you know, we have so much power within ourselves to heal ourselves and to work on things. And I just just don't feel like the medical model really um, supports that very well. So um, anyways, back to what I was saying, you know, I started treating a lot of women who were in the same situation as me. And you can do all the research in the world. But if you haven't actually been through something, it's so difficult to sometimes to, uh, to, to empathize with people. Uh, you know, I'm not a male, obviously. And I don't know what it's like to have testosterone, you know, at 1100 and have that feeling and, and um, I, I don't have a male brain. So yes, I treat men and yes, I do hormone therapy for men. And yes, I would say I'm sympathetic to men and, um, their health issues and, and their mental struggles and their emotional struggles for sure. But I can't really empathize with them because I don't, I'm not a man, you know, I, I'm not on the same hormonal cycles. I don't have the same brain as they do. So, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's one of those things like, you know, it's like, I can't totally empathize. Does that mean I shouldn't treat men? No, of course not. It just means that, I may n- not totally understand what they're going through, but when it comes to women, obviously I can understand. I've, I've been through puberty. I've been through reproductive years. I've been through perimenopause and now I have been through menopause. And so as I was gravitating these women to me, um, it's actually kind of a very difficult couple years because I, didn't have all the answers. And actually for myself, I didn't have all the answers. And I, I, I became, I, I started to realize how different people are, how different each woman is just like men, you know, how differently they are, how men, some men react to certain things. Great. And some don't, it's the same thing with women. So, but I also felt sometimes at a loss for, you know, I was experiencing the same symptoms, having the same emotional challenges, And then I have a woman just basically like mirroring me, sitting in front of me, telling me the same story. And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, you know, I don't even have those answers for myself. How can I give them to her? So the last couple of years have really been a learning experience for me in sitting with patients and admitting that I don't know everything but at the same time, learning to give encouragement in a way that empowers them. And I, th- I have tried really hard going through my experience of menopause to transform what this means in a woman's life into positivity and not negativity. Because the social culture at large is very negative about menopause. Actually, what I hear from most women and what I actually feel myself is that menopause is an age of invisibility. You become a woman who suddenly becomes invisible to the world. And I think a lot of that is more revolved around women throughout their life, looking for male um, acknowledgement and when you become middle age and you are no longer reproductive, and you know you've got a little more fat on your body and you have more wrinkles, and you again, if you're looking for male acknowledgement, that can be difficult because at this age, there are always younger, more beautiful, more reproductive women than you. And women struggle with that, you know, even if it's not conscious, it it can be subconscious. So, today I wanted to just discuss a little bit of some of the symptoms that I experienced and that you might be experiencing if you're a woman listening to this. And if you're a husband, if you're a partner of a woman who's going through perimenopause or menopause right now, to give you some tools to help you either one, help her um, in the little way that you can, and to maybe understand and to not take things personally (laughs) uh, because that can be very difficult. This is uh, perimenopause and menopause about the decade between the forties and the early fifties. This is not without its challenges, it's suffering. And for sure you have to learn to pivot, (laughs) both male and female. So um, a little bit of my story I had a baby at 42 which most of you know our lovely little daughter Tana I had her at 42 and she was not planned but she has been really the a, a light of our life and we are so sorry so 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 excited that that she came to be when she did but when I had her um I probably I was 42 and um I had a very difficult labor. I didn't have a difficult labor, but I did hemorrhage after my labor and I lost a lot of blood. And it was sort of a dangerous situation. I came back from that um not without a little bit of trauma and a lot of anemia. <laughs> and if any woman or man has ever gone through anemia where you have blood loss and I mean you literally can't lift your head off a pillow for a a bit of time it's very difficult to get over. And, um, I think that that is where perimenopause started for me was after the birth of her and having to recover from that traumatic incidence of hemorrhaging. Um, and I think what happened is it just kind of threw my hormones into, to a tailspin. I also, I've seen it in other patients as well. Um, In your 40s, your hormones are already starting to change. Some of the research shows as early as 39, you can start to have perimenopausal symptoms. And so for me, I think it just kind of spun me into perimenopause because of your hormones tank right after you give birth anyways. And I think my hormones tanked and they just never really fully recovered. So perimenopause is usually the decade before menopause. Some women, it's one year before menopause. Some women, it's 10 years before menopause. And it's where estrogen is starting to drop. So every month, estrogen is going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. But estrogen is slowly over time starting to go down. And then progesterone, it's also kind of typically a low progesterone state. And so these are two of the female hormones that basically make us female and they have different peaks at different times of the month. And if you want to learn more about the actual hormonal process themselves, I did a whole webinar on women's health uh, hormones through the life cycle. So you can go back and listen to that podcast or whatever. Um, And so progesterone naturally starts to go down as well. And progesterone is how I describe progesterone is she's like the little, she's like the older firstborn sister who keeps the house clean, and she babysits, and she's more responsible, and that kind of thing. Um, estrogen is more like the little sister. She's very the Goldilocks hormone, so she has to be in this happy place. And if she's not, she's either too high or too low. We see a lot more disharmony. And so progesterone really helps to keep her in check. Progesterone is also important for um, confirming ovulation and, you know, creating the corpus luteum so that if an egg were to be fertilized, that would implant into the endometrial lining. And the progesterone is what keeps that lining intact so that a baby can grow. So a lot of women, you know, have miscarriages or don't get pregnant easily because they have progesterone deficiency. So that's it's also very common in reproductive years. But we see this happen in the 40s. And this can sometimes be why it's harder to actually get pregnant in your 40s. Now, don't take that lesson from me because I thought it was going to be hard to get pregnant in my forties and I had a baby in my forties. So, um, perimenopause can also kind of throw your hormones around. So you're not having regular menstruation. And so you're kind of thinking, Oh, well, you know, I couldn't get pregnant and whatnot, but there are definitely a lot of whoops that happen in the forties. There's also a lot of women that haven't had children. They're trying to get pregnant in their forties and that can be more difficult because of these changing hormones. And so it's and the progesterone dropping and these kinds of things. So again, um, Forties is sort of this preparation for getting you ready, or I mean, preparation and getting ready, same thing, getting you ready to lose estrogen from the ovary and lose progesterone. So this does take time. Um, and so mine kind of started after Tana was born and I recovered from that. And then I just had a lot, you know, kind of my main symptoms were just a lot of fatigue, obviously from the anemia um, and a lot of brain fog, a lot of, brain issues, forgetting things, that kind of stuff. And then just up and down emotional states. Um, And, you know, obviously stress plays into this, but, you know, who doesn't have a stressful life? And then, you know, having two young children, having a business, Um, Ryan and I made a huge move, you know, in 2018, um, to Montana. And so just, just a lot coming up. And I, I think that um, that history all entwined with the hormonal changes that are naturally going on. And uh, m- my body just was, you know, dealing with um, dealing with all this. I think the frustration of this is that, you know, women still need to be productive citizens in society. A lot of us have jobs and careers now we need to be there for our children. A lot of us are sleep deprived because we're maybe still caring for young children or maybe your children are grown in your forties. Um, that's probably the more common thing. Uh, and maybe you've got older parents and you're taking care of them or you're taking care of your extended family um, or you are working like crazy and you're not getting good sleep and sleep definitely gets affected by the hormonal changes and, um, and estrogen changes. So I started going through all that and then um, in 2020, I think it was, I was starting to do pretty good and get pretty settled in and I talked to my doctor, my gynecologist, and I was like, you know, I'm just kind of having irregular um, hormonal stuff and a lot of my patients have an IUD, you know, I see it in so many women, they use the marine IUD Um, which is a progestin, which is a synthetic progesterone, uh, IUD. And um, she had suggested that maybe I get an IUD so that there was going to be no fear of me getting pregnant. Uh, And obviously that would have been a nightmare for me at that age. And so I agreed to do it because I feel like I saw lots of women do it. Now, when I was much younger in my 20s, early 20s, I went on birth control because I did have a condition called endometriosis. And I haven't talked about this, but I did have endometriosis as a very young gal in puberty and I had a lot of problems with it. And I had two surgeries over my life, laparosc- laparoscopy surgeries for endometriosis. And I really attribute being able to get pregnant in my 30s and obviously my 40s <laughs> um, because of these surgeries. So I did have a history with hormonal dysregulation, especially estrogen when I was younger. Um, but... I had not been on any type of birth control um, since my early 20s, and the birth control was used to control the symptoms of endometriosis. So a lot of women probably listening to this or husbands who their wives have it, it's very debilitating and very painful. So they put you on birth control to drop your natural levels of estrogen, um, progesterone, mainly estrogen, to stop that inflammatory reaction by the endometrial tissues. But I was always sick on birth control. I never felt good on birth control. So I was not on it very long. I had the surgeries as great as better. I did a lot of alternative. This is really, as I was in also getting into my functional medicine, lifestyle, diet, acupuncture, I was using Chinese herbs. Um, Lifestyle medicine was, is so profound for something like endometriosis, but the surgeries did make very large impacts in my, in my life. So, um, I decided, sure, I'll go on this marina IUD. So I had this marina IUD put in in September of 2020. And I think it was 2020. No, it was September of 2019. I can't even remember. Uh, we were in, doing telemedicine. Yeah, so it must have been 2020. Anyways, and then my health took a sharp turn after that. Um, what started happening was I started having massive depression. Now, this is a normal symptom in perimenopause and menopause is depression. Actually, one of the most prescribed drugs for uh, menopause is SSRIs or antidepressants. Uh, but I started having severe depression, like no voices in my head. You know how you always have this little voice in your head to talk to you about like, oh, you need to do this today or you need to do that or you're feeling like this or you're not feeling like that. I literally lost any voice in my head. I became like super apathetic and almost like detached from everything. I was having these episodes of what I call post-exercise paralysis, where I would exercise, which is my number one antidepressant and my number one um, lifestyle strategy for staying happy. And I was working out constantly all the time. I mean, I I was great working out. Um, I started getting this post-exercise paralysis where basically I couldn't move my limbs. Then I was having anxiety attacks, heart palpitations, um, and worsening and worsening and worsening fatigue. And on top of it, I got vertigo, like really bad. Now I had a brain injury in 2004. I had a bad mountain bike accident. and I think I've talked about that before. And that was a huge pivot in my life as well. That was another big trauma in my life that I think laid the groundwork for a lot of my future problems, especially during this hormonal shifting time. But vertigo was kind of one of my longer standing symptoms from that. So whenever I did anything that was going to affect my nervous system, I always get vertigo. And I think I talked about that in my sauna podcast with Sam and Steve was I did Botox once and I got horrible vertigo and I will never do it again. Uh, but my body is very, very neurologically sensitive and that's pretty much why, you know, minus the stupid decision of the Botox, I don't really inject anything into my body. Uh, unless it's, you know, I, I absolutely have used it before and it's fine, but most of the time I just try to not do that because my nervous system is so sensitive. And, um, so I started having all these neurological things and vertigo and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And by Christmas, You know, I got it in September and by Christmas, I was pretty dysfunctional. I was sort of like in bed. And the funny thing is the person that started researching all the problems with this was Ryan. Because I was literally working and going to bed. And I didn't talk about this on the podcast because, oh my God, you feel like you're kind of, you're one way and you're telling people to be another. And you know, you've got a podcast and you're telling people about health and here you are suffering. And I um, I just obviously, too, how do you talk about something like this? So Ryan started researching it and he started finding all these clash action lawsuits and problems and with these IUDs. And the only I kept kind of saying to myself, well, I've had vertigo before, maybe I'm just having another episode and or maybe I'm just tired from work or, you know, and I do believe that I was in perimenopause. So I know that was going on. But I think what happened once I started putting the pieces together was that the marina dropped my progesterone to almost nothing. And I was already probably somewhat deficient in progesterone just due to perimenopause. And it messed with my hormones so bad that you know, progesterone is important for decreasing anxiety. It's important for calming you down. Um, It helps you sleep. Um, And the other neurotransmitters, serotonin and stuff that play into happiness and depression. And I think it just messed with that in me because I'm sensitive. And when we started reading these cases of women that were having the exactly same problems and that were buried in the media, I started reading the side effects um, I realized this is not for me. And so luckily, the, my doctor who put it in, you know, I called her right after Christmas and said, I think this thing is basically killing me. Um, I need to get it out. And she was like, okay, let's do it. Took it out. And within three months, I bounced back, and I was back to myself. And so I realized at that time that my hormones were changing. Um and maybe because I'd never done good on birth control, I I I suffered with that. But um that was kind of where I think a lot of this story started was when I took that marina. Then in 2021 Ryan and I got COVID and he got all the respiratory symptoms. I got all the neurological symptoms. And we've done a podcast on that. I have not talked much about my long COVID and I plan to do a podcast on that because it's actually very complicated and uh, there's literally over a year of learning and processing on that and what helped me. And I would love to share that with all of you, but it is taking me time to process that. Um, But what happened when I got COVID and I got the neurological cytokine storm in my brain, my period stopped. I started having hot flashes at night. I couldn't sleep. I was hot flashing all night, sweating like crazy. Um, And this is a normal also symptom of COVID. So what started happening was I was having a lot of symptoms of the COVID. And I was also having a lot of symptoms of menopause. Uh, I was having uh, massive depression, anxiety, heart palpitations, uh, histamine intolerance, um, hot flashes, uh bladder issues, uh, joint pain all over my body, massive body pain everywhere. And I had been doing testosterone therapy for a number of years. And I've talked about that on the podcast as well. That helped me tremendously with a lot of my premenopausal, perimenopausal symptoms. And so I was using that and then when I did the marina, it kind of threw me off. And then once that was out, I was still doing testosterone, feeling really good. And then when I got COVID and I got that neurological reaction, which makes sense because that's how I am. Um, Really, the testosterone was just not enough to make up for basically what was the loss of estrogen. So think what you want about the vid. Think what you want about the vaccines, whatever. I basically got put right into menopause uh, when I got COVID. So um, I went through a year of long COVID And uh, that's when menopause started for me. Uh, And I will say that it's probably been one of the most difficult, emotionally difficult times in my life. Uh, One, because I was trying to come back from COVID, which was really difficult for me. But I think mixed into that, I can't blame it all on COVID, was that I was in menopause. I was having a lot of symptoms related to that. And when I say, when I said in the beginning, this whole idea of being able to empathize with somebody, like being able to understand where they are, it was like, it was like all those women that were sitting across from me, having all those symptoms and having gone through menopause and having all the problems. It was like, all of a sudden I was like right there. I could like, oh my God, I get it. You know, (laughs) like walking in a room and literally not remembering why you walked in there, feeling um, constantly emotionally unstable Um having you know just like being hot like constantly um, which was so new for me that's not my norm um, having really bad sleep my sleep was already bad when I was because I was more of an anxious person anyways I never really slept good but like sleep is so bad waking up super super early and just like not being able to sleep you know all these stories women were telling me So I began playing around with HRT and hormone replacement therapy and kind of through that COVID year, estrogen, progesterone, they did help me quite a bit. Um, But it's been a two-year process in menopause for me. So the other thing is, is that they tell you menopause is 12 months, no bleeding. That's the clinical term. So once you've been through those 12 months, no menstruation, after that, you're postmenopausal and then you go on with life but I rarely meet a woman that literally stops bleeding and then 12 months later, hasn't had anything happen. And then you just, they're done. It's so rare. Most women, sometimes it takes two to three years. So, like you think you're in menopause and you go six, eight months and then boom, two months and then boom, it stops. And then it's just like, you never really know where you are. And some months you can feel your estrogen is really high. And then someone, and then a bunch of months, your estrogen is really low. Um, and so, it's a very tumultuous time. You know, I do think perimenopause, so I would still consider this the perimenopause menopause state, but that is such a tumultuous time. It's it's way more tumultuous than postmenopause because your body's done it. Your body's kind of morphed now. It kind of understands. And if you need hormone therapy, you know, replacement therapy and stuff, you know, use that. And I'm not going to really go deep into hormone therapy in this podcast because I just want to share more Of the emotional state of the menopausal woman. So I found I was doing, I always am doing tons of reading because I'm always thinking about these things. And I started reading about estrogen. You know, what is happening in menopause? You're losing estrogen. Your ovaries are going to sleep, basically. Estrogen and progesterone going down. And so here's just a short list. And this is an important list because you can also have these in perimenopause if you have months where estrogen is low. And this is a short list too for men that are listening to this and their wives are going one month they seem fine, one week they seem fine, and then like the next day they're like horrible and everything's crazy, is that understand that our brain, who we are, is so controlled by these hormones. And the transition that happens when you lose them, it is literally like a metamorphosis that happens. And it's not easy. It's it's sort of like the suffering of being pregnant and birthing a baby. <laughs> what comes out the other, well, what comes out the other end is a beautiful, wonderful life. But there's the suffering that gets there, you know. And I I, I would kind of hope to think death is like that. It's like the suffering of death and the pain and the trauma. But then on the other side, there's something beautiful and that's the next stage of life, right? So here's just a few few symptoms that you that I experienced and that some of you might be experiencing as well so hot flashes number one usually for low estrogen and it could be you're just hot it could be that you're actually flashing and sweating like crazy it could be that you're having night sweats and you're just only hot you're only flashing at night when you're sleeping sleeping really hot is very common that's that's my biggest thing I don't really have hot flashes during the day I'm getting more and more hot flashes during the day but I get hot at night and it's this summer about killed me. <laughs> Lightheadedness, vertigo, dizziness, um, headaches, um, irritability, depression, anxiety, sleeplessness, unusual tiredness, uh, back aches, joint pain, uh, loss of motivation, muscle pain, dry skin, crawling feelings in your skin. Pins and needles in extremities, obviously decreased libido, sexual desire, um, even problems with orgasm, Um, vaginal dryness, bladder problems. Again, you need estrogen for all those things Uh, and, and the collagen matrix. So estrogen makes up part of the collagen matrix. And one that I found out of this list to be the most interesting to me, feeling unloved. So think about that in your life, with the women in your life, or if you're a woman listening to this, like how much throughout your day at this age and in this process, do you feel like nobody loves you? Even when you have the best partner, children, colleagues, family, you're blessed beyond belief like me. How often do you walk through your day and feel like nobody loves you? Nobody can possibly know how you feel everybody's out to get you nobody's listening to you you feel taken advantage of you don't feel like anybody gives you gratitude these are all feelings of feeling unloved and you know what estrogen supports that in women so as we start to lose estrogen we start to feel unloved and when we start to feel unloved in our life we sometimes are unloving Meaning we don't reciprocate love very well. Now, I say this because men sometimes take our emotional reactions to things or the way we're acting or just, Ryan calls it the scowl on my face or whatever. You know, some men don't notice. They don't care. Whatever. I would hope the men listening to this do care. And if you live with a woman who's going through these hormonal changes, it's affecting you, guaranteed um but some men are better than others at emotionally withdrawing um maybe not even reading into it that much and some of you may be accepting and you may be like well this is just what's happening because you know your wife's been having periods ever since you guys were together and you know you men know when women are having periods they're going to have a period you know just by the look on her face just how she's acting I mean I have a teenage daughter I can tell I know so you know you get tuned into people you're tuned into your family and so you know from a lot of men they sort of remove themselves when the women are starting to act like this or they don't know what's wrong because they don't want to like get into it they don't want to get in the middle of it they feel offended as well and what's interesting too is if you have a partner who has low testosterone as well testosterone makes men feel loved so if you have two partners where a woman is losing her estrogen and a man doesn't have enough testosterone they both are going to have the feelings of inadequacy and not being loved that's not a good mixture <laughs> so if you if your wife is exhibiting these issues and she's in this time of her life remember that it's not necessarily even controllable controllable by her what she's thinking if she's thinking she's not loved by you or whoever it, it's a hormonal change the receptors are not getting what they need just like in men your testosterone receptors are not getting filled in the brain so you have a lot more depression you have a lot more anxiety you feel unloved, you feel unrespected. And so just take that into, you know, thoughts. If you have a wife who's going through these things, and she's being really emotionally reactive, and she's not being very grateful towards you, or she's resentful. Part of that is because maybe she just needs to be shown more love. You withdrawing from her doesn't help her. It actually makes her feel worse. So Just these small actions that men and women have to do, I think, to one, be able to tolerate each other and live with each other, because we are such different beings. We're hormonally such different beings, which makes us emotionally much different beings. But sometimes it's that whole idea, guys, of like, you don't need to fix it. You just need to be there, listen, give her a hug, hold her, let her cry. Don't run away. Don't hide from her. Don't stonewall her. Because sometimes that's all it takes. And she feels better. And actually, your action towards her of that will possibly raise her estrogen while she still has it. So we also know that postmenopausally, when women have fully been through the process, that when they do estrogen replacement and they can handle estrogen replacement, they also feel more loving and they feel more loved. So this is this to me really stood out. And I think that's why I wanted to do this podcast was to just encourage people going through these hormonal changes in their relationships and in their own lives, that these hormones can reflect a lot of how we feel about ourselves and how others feel about us. And sometimes those projections are not accurate but that's the signals that the body may be picking up with due to the lack of these hormones. So just something to think about. Now, I'm not going to talk about this much longer. Um, I'll probably do a hormone replacement podcast for women just to understand estrogen and to make better choices if you're going through menopause and you want to learn about hormone replacement therapy. Um, But I I do want to say that, again, turning this on the positive Is that when you become this age and you've gone through all the things you've gone through in your life and you've created life, or maybe you didn't create life with your own body, but you've created things in your life? Women are creative, they create, that's what they do. And you get to this time and you start feeling non creative, you start feeling uh, lost, you start wondering, what is my next step? Especially if your children are older and they've left. And, you know, children are only with us a very short time and women tend to put a lot of their, their, all their fruit in that basket. And children leaving the home is one of the top, most five top traumatic things that happen to people in life. And it mainly happens to women. And that's because of that that, uh, hormonal connection to your children. But it's also a time of like, You've done that work. You've created those things. Now, what can you create for yourself? And who are you? And what are the emotional things that you need to look inside of you? And how can you blossom as you come through menopause? And how can you live the next 50 years of your life with vitality and energy? And also respecting the new sort of quiet, um, reflective, meditative state that you go into when you go through menopause. So one of my top recommendations that I give to my women as we go through this and, you know, we're, we're doing labs and we're getting data and we're, we're working on lifestyle and maybe we're doing hormone replacement. Um, Number one is to have a space that's just yours, a space that you can go into and you can have quiet because we got so much noise in our lives and that, when you're losing your hormones, it gets harder and harder to tolerate the noise. That was one of the things, too, with COVID because of my neurological symptoms. I mean, I had to wear earplugs all the time. I had to wear dark glasses. Like, everything was a sensory overload. And I've noticed with menopause, or maybe it was partly menopause, too, because I kind of both at the same time, uh, I'm very sense. My senses are very heightened. And I am sensitive. Smells, bright lights, um uh sounds and so but having that space where you can go and you can be in that meditative space you can breathe you can be quiet you can read you can pray um you can meditate that is really vital for women because you need to you need to regenerate and not just through exercise and not just through other people is you need to be able to get into a creative space within yourself that is also calming and i've seen it Time and time again, that when women can do that, it's very transformative. Um, And how I've done that is I get up every morning and I meditate. I meditate sometimes for 20 minutes, sometimes an hour, depends on my day. If I got to go to work, I've got my kids, you know, I've got responsibilities. I might get up a little earlier if I get the sleep I need. Uh, Sometimes I can't sleep because of my hormones. And so I just get up and I meditate. And I know it sounds funny. I do have a room in the house for meditate, like an extra room. I've got, my house is plenty big, but I have a big bathroom with a big bathtub and I'm not taking a bath at four 30 in the morning. I've got pillows in there. I've got a blanket in there. I've got some candles. I've got whatever pictures I want or whatever in my bathroom, my books, my journal, uh, depending that day, what I'm looking at, you know, um, my meditations, my Bible, whatever. I sit in my bathtub in the dark with the candle lit. And what I do is I literally go from bed. I have it set up at night before I go to bed. I have a glass of water in there. I have my headphones in there if I need them. Um, I, I get up. I brush my teeth. And I drink some water. And I do not turn my phone on. I never turn my phone on except to either turn my meditations on if I'm doing a guided meditation with some music or something. That's it. The phone should not come on first thing in the morning for anything other than like, just using that resource. Um, And, and that's what I do. That's my first thing. And I've gotten away from it. I, I've gotten away from it. When I got healthier and healthier, I got further and further away from it. And then as I sometimes I have months where I got COVID a couple month ago or so again, and I went right back into some of my symptoms. And I was like, okay, I, I have to go what what helped me last time I was straight back to meditation. And now it's like my body just wakes up. It's like, okay, you gotta go meditate you got to go sit and, and be quiet. So I highly recommend that for women. And that can be hard because our brains are just All right. The other one is community. You need a community of women. You need women. You need women around you. Men are lovely. Your partners are lovely. You men out there who are supporting your women and your families. you You are needed. You are wanted. You are respected. You are loved. But you're not women. And we can't expect you to be. So try to find a community of women. And, you know, that's actually been hard for me. And oh, that's hard for me. I, I used to have a community of women. I I have a smaller community of women now. But I am searching for that and I'm working on that. And that's part of the reason I started the Harrisante retreats for women. Because I want to create this community of women. I want to create something that I've watched in the last you know, four to five years as I've gotten deeper and deeper into this and had my own experience and realized what I need. I want that for other women. And so find a community. And if you have one, that's awesome. Whether it's through exercise, whether it's through your children, whether it's through your church, your spiritual group, um, find that community because that will help to heal your hormones. That will help you to empathize more, sympathize with people. Women are community oriented. Instinctually, our brains are built for that. And so having your own space, being quiet, but also finding your community. And you may be searching that for for a while, that may be hard. I know it is for me. So that, you know, um, has been my experience. And obviously I'm doing a lot of other things trying to be as consistent as I can. But giving yourself grace is really important. This is honestly a very exhausting time of your life. Your body is meant to be resting. And most of us are not. Most of us are not resting. And the sadistic thing about it is, is like, you should be resting and then because you're losing your hormones, you can't actually sleep. And sleep is so important at this time of your life. And if you can't get it, it makes you a little crazy. So that's why I do like meditation as well. uh, Because it does actually put you into a state where you get some relaxation, we don't necessarily have to be sleeping. Um, So I just wanted to talk about this today, because it's world menopause day. And I want you to remember too. That in 1900, 4% of women lived past the age of 50. Four. So menopause, as far as in our culture, in the Industrial Revolution, I can't speak for back in the day. I don't know. I mean, there's been a long history of human existence. But since the Industrial Revolution, we and the you know, the change of life for women and sanitation and water coming out of the tap and all the simple things that we have access to health care. Remember, there's places in the world women do not have access to health care. And these places have high mortality rates in women and children. Okay, this is in the United States. We live now to be in our 80s. So just in 1900, 4% of women lived past the age of 50. Um, so we have a lot to learn about menopause. We have a lot to learn about how to to help ourselves, and um, you know, just just remember though that we are very fortunate and we can live longer lives. But this is a time of change and rebirth and transformation, and any transformation is never easy. So do the things that you can to help yourself. Have less suffering, one. Guys, you know, those of you in a relationship out there dealing with your women going through these things, um, give her more love, make her feel loved, because that's really all she needs. I mean, women just thrive on that. Even if she acts like she doesn't care about it, she needs it. She needs it. Um, and women, just let your guard down a little bit, accept that love, accept what people are giving you, your children are giving you, your husband's giving you. Let them be there for you. Let them do the work for you and let go of the things that are not that important. That's another lesson I've really struggled with. So to finish this, I'm going to read. I made a post today on Instagram and I feel it's just very succinct and and very, um, kind of what I was trying to discuss today but I'm just going to finish this podcast with this and I hope that um, you know it's a complicated world we live in today Um, I would say that that in the world women and children unfortunately take on the brunt of much suffering that goes on and I can't fix all the things happening in the world but what I can fix and what I can do is help myself to be a better person, so that in the case that I need to be there for somebody else, I can do that with a truly open heart. And uh, I feel very blessed and fortunate that I am in the position that I am in to get this help. Today is World Menopause Day. Yep, us old wise women now have our own day. But honestly, we should, because menopause is actually a time of immense change in not only a woman's life, but her whole family's. The decade of perimenopause can feel like torture. We begin losing the estrogen that makes us feel loved, loving, and just overall normal. Our sleep gets horrible, our joints hurt more, our brains forget what we walked into the room for, our desires for just about everything change. As we move closer to less and less estrogen and progesterone, it just feels better when every window in the house is open in winter. Our husband thinks we're too bitchy or bossy or perhaps not as caring as we used to be. Our kids get used to our emotional breakdowns and outbursts. Oh, that's just mom. It's a lot of just plain physical and emotional turmoil. But then enters menopause and the life after reproduction. Like the caterpillar becomes the butterfly, so is the woman who passes through this sacred veil of transformation. She has adapted to her new body with all its changes— Her brain becomes calmer, less scattered. She makes decisions based on energy, value, wisdom. She becomes empowered and ecstatic that she no longer has to support the possibility of life each month. She becomes the grandmother who turns to support her daughter's struggle through the emotional waters of reproduction. She seeks balance, prayer, quiet, adventure, community, and truly begins to love herself. This is the menopause that no one talks about and is what I hope to do each and every day with the women in my practice who went through so much to get here. To hold her hand and say, I understand because I do. The Hunt Harvest Health Podcast and the Stealthy Hunter LLC, its managers and partners, we do not diagnose, prescribe, or replace the services of a healthcare professional. This podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. And any questions regarding your health should be addressed to your primary care physician or other healthcare provider. Remember, I am a doctor.